All right. Welcome to the Empirical Preparedness Podcast. My name is Caleb Coleman. We've got an awesome episode today. I had an opportunity to camp and sit down with a good friend of mine, Avery, who is kind enough and willing to share his story. And a lot of this is new to me as well. I know bits and pieces, but we really got into the nitty gritty of his life. And I think it's really important, um, important messages of hope and encouragement from, you know, a young boy living in Germany and traveling around Europe to battling cancer, overcoming and, and defeating the odds, the doctors telling him that he wouldn't amount to anything, his faith and his relationship with God who got him through these trials and up until today where he's, he's thriving and doing well and serving God in the process. So stick around, listen to his story, and I hope it can be a message of hope and encouragement to anyone listening because it's a pretty phenomenal, pretty phenomenal life story. And I'm really excited and grateful um, that he was willing to, to share this vulnerable parts of his life. So let's get into it. All right, Avery. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Having a blast this weekend. I freaking love it up here. I could probably move up here. You think, for real? Honestly, I probably, yeah. It's dangerous for me to be up here too long. (laughs) Like, I really enjoy the mountains. And you kind of get a little bit of everything. Like, you have potential for some hunting, really good fishing. Mo- your summer is even a little bit milder than ours. You still get, I mean, it's, it was hot today, but it's not it's not like that Raleigh heat, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely So, cool. like, I feel like you can be outside year-round up here. Where, like, right now when I'm running at home, I'm just dying. Yeah. Could it be helps. worse. So... Real quick, I'm sitting here with Avery, Avery's Outdoor Adventures. And um, just to give a little bit of background for all the listeners, Avery and I have some mutual friends, but honestly, we really didn't get to know each other until probably a year ago, right? Yeah, I I think Missouri was like... Exactly. Yeah. I think, so we did a Missouri hunt with a couple of people um, last October, early November, mm-hmm. 2022. And that was the first time that me and Avery really had much conversation and then really became friends after that. So talking and, you know, just being there for each other, encouraging each other throughout this time in our own journey. So it's been cool to get to know him, but he's got a pretty incredible story, history, background. And I think a lot a lot of trial and overcoming adversity and a lot of encouragement and lessons to be learned, I think, uh, for anybody who's willing to engage with him or listen to his story. Um, so before we kind of talk a little bit more and dive into this, I'm going to pray real quick and just thank God for this, you know, being, having this weekend to really enjoy his creation. So, Father, we come to you humbly and just absolutely grateful for this opportunity to 
hang out together, brothers in Christ, and enjoy your creation. We've had a chance to fish and um, hike a little bit, a little bit of mountain biking, trying to get back at that. Um, but it's just been a good weekend to, to just be amongst your creation. So we're very grateful. So bless this conversation. I pray that it would be words of encouragement to any listeners. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You definitely need to start every podcast that way. I love it. Yeah, I think that that's an important aspect. And yeah, it needs to happen. So, so Avery, I don't even know where to begin, but I think that first of all, for just to set the stage, maybe briefly go over your childhood, kind of where you grew up. I mean, you're from North Carolina, right? Born in North Carolina? I was actually born in New York, so I've lived all over. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, go back to that, and then we'll kind of like progress through your life a little bit leading up to now. Yeah. See how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm 27 years old. I was born in June of 1996 um, in a really small rural town south of Buffalo, New York, uh, almost on the Pennsylvania border. Um, Only lived there until I was like maybe eight. I don't have a ton of memories of it. but that's where all my family's based out of pretty much, you know, in, in and about that area. And then eight or nine years old, um, my dad got a good job opportunity and we moved to Charleston, South Carolina, where we lived for only a year. And then that job took him to Germany. It was not military. So we lived off base for two and a half years. And I went to like an international school there, um, met some really awesome people learned a lot of different cultures um vacation is way different for um most european countries so we got to travel a lot of europe and even got to just touch the continent of africa so that's pretty pretty cool and then so real quick before we move on from yeah there, um i spent a little bit of time in berlin and mm-hmm. so one i'm curious what did you think about germany and like growing up there and did you so you went to an international school mm-hmm. Did you have to learn German or were you exposed to German students or was it a lot of like expat uh, Americans? Yeah. So um, I really loved living in Germany. My parents could speak to it more because they were in their like late 20s. I was, like I said, like nine to maybe 11 ish. So like my memories of it is like castles and like these vacations that we went on. You know, I learned how to ski in the Alps, but it's not like... It's not like how, what is life in Germany, you know? So I had some great experiences, but I wouldn't say I could speak to that. And then the school, um, that was an international school. There was people of all different cultures. And the day was kind of, the secondary language for most countries that aren't the U.S. is English. So the school was in English most of the day, but there was a good chunk of it every day that was in German. So ich kann sprechen klein bisschen Deutsch, but I don't remember a ton of it, which is a long story in of itself. But basically, they wouldn't let me take German classes when I moved back to the States because they thought I had an advantage over other students. Really? Yeah. That's kind of surprising. Dude, there's kids that are from like, those countries. I was going to say, yeah. kind of like Spanish-speaking or something, and then they come to America and learn yeah. Spanish. <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't take German. And then it's kind of one of those, like, if you don't use it, you lose it type deals. And I don't, yeah. I, I don't have anybody to speak to, so I don't, but... Um, Germany was awesome. Um, what, where did you live in Germany? What? Stuttgart. Okay. Yep. Yep. So 
No, go ahead. No, you're good. So that was um, two and a half years, okay. and that was kind of like, I would say, in my storyline where, like, life was awesome from, you know, birth to, like, 11. Okay. And then, um, real quick, like, what was maybe one of your most memorable vacations or a spot that you just loved? One or two that you just thought was your yeah, so I'm a mountain guy, like, through and through. The Alps are just insane. I learned how to ski out there. In the I, German Alps? Uh, the, the Swiss, Swiss Alps. Oh, okay. And then, a weird, like, a weird memory, and I don't even know how factual it is. It's one of those memories that's kind of, like, run together from being so young. But, like, we went to an indoor water park after we were done skiing before we went home. I was with a, um, my best friend in Germany was actually a British kid. Um, his name was Max. Me and his family went, and I learned to ski with them. So then we went to a water park that was indoors on the way back, which is just very, like, polar. And then I guess the third one um, would be Morocco, just oh, because wow. it was such a culture shock. Um, we were actually told don't speak English while you're there at, the, at that time in the world situation. Um, and my baby sister, um, she's three years younger than me, so she had to be – seven or eight is walking through the airport speaking super loud english and this would have been what 2005 ish yeah maybe yeah, even Ireland. yeah so it makes sense so yeah. yeah it was pretty funny now my parents were super stressed but i got to avoid that so. that's pretty amazing I, I mean i don't know much about morocco except that there was this morocco restaurant that we would go to in hawaii actually and it was so traditional so you like sit on the floor and it was family style and that's oh, all cool. I that's all I know of Morocco was restaurant yeah. food, but that I could imagine that being a pretty wild experience. Yeah, it was really cool. Got to you know the full ride on camels, stayed at a resort, um, you know, dancing, snake charming. Oh wow! Um, it was that's hysterical in of itself because both of my parents are petrified of snakes, yeah. so I don't even know why we did that, but they were like, yeah. I guess if we're here, yeah. Yep. That's cool. All right, so from there, from Germany, you leave there at what age, and where do you go next? So probably 11, 11 and a half, we head back to the States, and we're in Charleston again. Okay. So the same, he's kind of in the same job this whole time, but it, it's just a two-year stint in Germany. Then he's on a promotion again to the U.S. My dad, that is. There you go. What about, do you have much experience in Charleston? Because, like, I know you from Wake Forest, Raleigh, North Carolina, but do you have much time and experience in Charleston? Or is that just, like, blips in your life? Yeah, so Charleston to me is kind of a, not a place that I look back on happily for things that happen later, but I only spent two of the, you know, six years that I lived there actually getting to live life there in a way okay so we might be tapping into something yeah so yeah again real real quick let me clarify that a lot of avery's story i don't know or am still learning because um like i said we basically started becoming friends about a year ago but he's got a lot of life experience um that i i just don't know about so yeah i'm learning this with the listeners and um and so i'm genuinely curious about what's yeah. going on at this time um so you're in charleston 11 12 years old 
How about just take us through a couple of those years? Yeah. Let me know kind of. Yeah. So I'm outdoors is my life since I was born. Okay. So in Germany, I guess I never said this. I got really, really, really into soccer. Um, I was normal size at that point. So I played goaltender and I loved it. Um, it was really pretty decent at it. Moved back to the States and got into baseball. Um, I was really good at that. I played shortstop, pitcher, um, played catcher some, but I absolutely hated that. Um, and then um, by middle school, I was um, queued up to play for the middle school team and invited to a couple travel teams based on my skills in like a rec league. So um, really, really into baseball. Um, and school was kind of, you know, an average student, just kind of did whatever, had a lot of friends. I played a little golf, actually, in middle school um, when I got back to the States. It's kind of, I pick up friends quickly because I think I'm fairly social, per, you know, my perspective, but right. um, I've moved around a lot, so I don't have a lot of friends who are, like, core from the day I was born friends, but I had a really good friend named Tyler um, Tyler Roper, who now lives in Colorado, um, when I was in Charleston for the year, um, before things kind of turned, but, um, we played baseball together and, you know, just average kid stuff Yeah, yeah. and hating middle school. (laughs) I didn't realize, I didn't realize you were so involved in sports. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to your character and like just how you want to do different things. You want to do them to perfection. Yeah as we'll maybe we'll talk about later but like yeah it, it goes back to childhood ages. oh yeah that's cool and, and and for me it's an excuse to be outside like yeah. no question sure. whatever that is i'm like all right i'm in so <laughs> maybe we'll touch on this later but like have you at this point at up to 11 12 years old were you already hunting or have you not mm-hmm. even touched that yet no so um kind of funny my dad is petrified of snakes like i mentioned and with the swamp charleston is a lot of swamps and my dad would not hunt there so he hunted his entire life like as soon as it was legal he started hunting my grandparents are the same way both sides um my i mean tmi but my mom's helped butcher deer like her entire life um so i've always been aware of it always wanted to participate at this point you know at 11 12 but never had the opportunity okay yeah so, in the middle school, playing sports, mm-hmm. loving life. Um, now, are we getting so? We're we're getting close to some trials, and, yeah. And I would say some adversity in your life, right? Yeah. So, when did this start taking place? Around twelve or thirteen, you said to me. Yeah. So, um, I know exactly when. So, I went to for my twelfth, for everybody's twelfth birthday, my siblings. We would go to New York and spend a week with my grandparents and we would go boating, whatever, you know, whatever made sense for the season. So um, they had um, a Christian baseball league and they were housing two of the boys in that league. My grandparents were. Okay. So from for my 12th birthday, I wanted to go up and spend the summer with these base. They're like college baseball players going through a church league to improve their skills over the summer. Okay. And um, I went and stayed with them. And this would have been just after my birthday, actually. It would have been July of my 12th year. Um, and I started to feel a lot of pain in my side. 
and my grandparents, I stopped eating, and um, I just didn't feel good. And you know, they, you know, being twelve years old, they're like, maybe he's just homesick. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't seem to get better. So my mom, and I don't mean to jump ahead, because uh, this kind of leads into, however that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, however you want to trade this, I guess. I don't know. At this point, I'm lost on the timeline of things. Like, I know yeah. that it just personally we've talked a little bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you're ready to dive into this type of adversity, like, let's, yeah. let's, let's go ahead. Yeah, so I guess to give you a better timeline, I came back to the state and it was sixth grade. Yeah. So I made it all the way through sixth grade. It's now the summer of sixth grade. Uh, and I'm 12 years old, so I got back and when I was about 11-ish. But my, my birthday's in the middle of the year, so every school year I'm half and half, just based on where my birthday lies. So anyway, um, one full year back in the United States. I'm 12 years old, and 12 years old in a month. Um, it's July. Um, yeah, start feeling bad. My grandparents think I'm homesick, and I was supposed to fly back charleston by myself like my first flight by myself but my mom decided to come get me because i was feeling so bad and we got back to charleston and i slept through i um was supposed to have travel ball tryouts the next day i slept the entire day and half of the next day when i got home and my parents took me to the emergency room just because it was very outside of normal. I actually tried to play baseball for half a day and couldn't, couldn't play. Um, and yeah, so at that point, I'm, I'm 12 years old and I got diagnosed with AOL leukemia. So you just went to the doctor one day and like it was so bad that you're like, I got to go figure out what's going on. Yeah, I slept for two days straight, basically. I wasn't eating um, I was in like a ton of pain. So actually how we found out was my, I messed this up every, every time. Cause it's just not a memory I keep, I guess. Yeah. Cause either my spleen or my appendix was about to burst. I got put in an ambulance and rushed to the hospital. Mm. Um, and just the way my, you know, childhood memory works, I think you block some things out, but I remember waking up and I already had some lines in me. Um, I had a pick line, so that's like a more, it's like semi-permanent line not like a iv um and they're like yeah you have cancer wow wow what um what is that like the first time you've heard that like i can't imagine being that age and and that running through my mind like you have cancer and we don't really know what this looks like yeah like what does the future look like what did you think at that point think like at that age you just don't understand yeah like there's some like i'm terrified there's some like oh you know i'm gonna do some medicine and i'm gonna be all right you know there's some ignorance and um you just don't know how to process that i guess not in a healthy way i think you kind of either internalize it or go to whatever else but i think for me mostly just shock i guess i mean the same as anyone would have but maybe with less understanding. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. It, 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 it honestly blows my mind. Um, well, so, 
how long were you in the hospital at this point? I'm sure there, there were periods you went in and out. Right? Yeah, so yeah. The initial hospital visit, how long were you in the hospital at this point? Truth be told, I don't know the first visit, but my first uh, round of treatment with chemo, and I believe... So there was... so. I'm sorry, go back to one. Can you say the name of this cancer again? Yeah, it's ALL leukemia. So leukemia has like two types. And um, thank God I got the lesser of the two, actually, Okay. in terms of difficulty to treat. What made my situation tough is that's typically a infant leukemia. Mm. So scaling, chemo, and all that was difficult because I'm 12 years old versus you know generally it's kids under like six okay who would have that not um yeah and this isn't for my understanding because i'm pretty ignorant on all this yeah but this is not a cancer that's like a mass this is yes. the cancer of blood yes okay so this means it's, it's affected your entire body yeah essentially it's in your blood so they can't just go in and cut a, a tumor out correct so then that means, like you're saying, that you have to do treatment that mm -hmm. it basically affects your whole body, which would be chemo yep. and radiation and some other things. Yeah, so generally, at least for me, they started with chemo, um, and um, it actually works. So there's a whole mess that goes with it, like um, there's periods of time where your immune system just doesn't exist. So, you're yeah, you're going to be in the hospital for a week, two weeks, however long it takes for your blood levels to recover. Yeah. Um, at that, you know, at that age, at, or not age, but at that point, I think I never was in the hospital more than maybe a week or two at a time. And then I would go home, but the, the hospital visits were, you know, dang near every other day, every couple of days. Wow. Um, so we either be driving back and forth or staying at the hospital a majority of the time, um, pretty much because it's in your blood and it has to do with your immune system. Uh, I was a little bit shut off from the world for that period of time. Um, it wasn't going to school anymore, um, at all. Um, later on, I would start doing at-home tutoring, and, um, that was what kept me from being back in school more, um, but that, that was later on, but. What did you do at this point to kind of fill your time? What, what did you do to occupy your mind? Call of Duty. Really? <laughs> yeah, I got super into uh modern warfare 2 that was the best one that was, was the best one good timing though, yeah wasn't it? oh and um this is this is a different version of avery than you see today but i was a uh, ranked at one point because it was all i did i had an advantage over everyone else my age because i could play eight hours a day so and no one is, would say anything this is a situation where video games save lives yeah yeah <laughs> especially call of duty call but, of duty modern warfare 2 i think that got a lot of people through a lot of hard times no doubt that's funny. Yeah, I like. Yeah. And then um, later on, I actually started golf because it was a non-contact sport and I had to be outside. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't not be outside. I don't blame you, man. I think that it's healing to be out here. Like, it really is. Yeah. Gotta have it. Um, cool. Okay. So, you're going through chemo. How long is this chemo treatment? How long does it last? Um, I think I think it only took maybe six months for the first round. Uh, I did go into remission, 
Um, so technically the cancer was gone. Um, and I went back to school even. So at that point they didn't put me back in school anymore, but, um, I was definitely behind just from not being there a little bit socially. Those middle school years are kind of a wild ride in terms of social. Yeah, for sure. Socially. And then, um, but I only was back in school for six months and I had a relapse. Um, which that's probably physically and mentally the hardest thing that I've ever been to, even to this day. In God's honest truth, I told my parents straight up, I don't want to do it again. Wow. Um, I was 13, so I didn't have a choice. Well, <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you're doing it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And I'm great. I'm grateful I did, you know, but it that's probably the thing that tested my. There's been two times in my life that my faith has severely been tested, and that was definitely one of them. So, okay. That brings me to another question, then. Um, when did you give your life to Christ? If you're saying your faith was tested at this point, were you already a believer? Were you already, like, or was this kind of working through your faith? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, both my my parents actually met in church okay. um, in New York. Um, both sides of my family are very religious. Um, I'd say we're Christian, uh, to be specific. Um and, you know, like any anybody who grows up in a family like that from like the ages of 10 to 12, I became saved, you know, a couple of times, you know, saved. I can relate. Yeah. Um, my mom would say that I was truly saved when I was like eight. Um, I had a preschool teacher or Sunday school teacher, sorry, um, who I just absolutely loved. And me and her said the prayer together, you know any the way that only an eight-year-old would understand uh-huh. um but um when we moved to charleston the second time in germany we weren't as involved in church just because it wasn't available to us the same way it was more difficult to find an english-speaking church um or we would have to try to fit into a, a german-speaking church which was difficult right but we moved back to the states and we got involved again and i would say about the time i got sick is when i really got like truly saved like this is 100% real to me um this is super important to my life um and it's the only way I'm gonna make it through I was gonna say I which is kind of selfish but but I can understand that to a certain extent and we had we talked earlier down by the river sitting at the river earlier and he was Avery was touching on a few, you know, aspects of this story and that hope that we have in Christ, that that hope that this is a temporary place and that we have everlasting life in heaven. That's the only thing that can get us through mm-hmm. these hard times. And I I mourn those who go through this type of trial and adversity, sickness and Absolutely. death without that that hope mm-hmm. of Christ and and being a new creation, it just, so yeah, it, it, I can imagine that testing your faith, but then also giving you so much like hope to look forward to. If you like, I think you said earlier, if I survive this, then great. If I don't, 
then I know where I'm going. And that's with Jesus. There was a really weird thing where the first time it made me like probably the strongest Christian I've ever been in, in that, like it was almost even a step further than that. It was like, if I make it great, if I don't even better, like mm-hmm. eternal happiness, like let's go, you know? But the second time I was like, really, man, you know, like I really, I really struggled to start mm-hmm. and I, kept it mostly to myself because I could tell it gave my parents peace to know. Right. Um, I don't want to keep you. Um, and the second time I kept the facade going because it kind of kept me, it made everybody else feel better, but I kind of struggled with it until, you know, middle, middle end of it. Um, it was way worse the second time. Um, I had um, there's a there's a medical term for it which I don't know, but I basically had full body uh, chemo and full body radiation to kill all the cancer, but it kind of kills a lot of you in the process. Um, and um, you feel you feel like a skeleton of a person. Um, you get cut off from pretty much everyone. Uh, I could have a parent with me, but they had to basically like quarantine to be with me and then they could be with me for however long and they would shift. So my parents wouldn't even get to see each other during this period of time. I didn't see my siblings for this entire period of time. Um, Not, you know, you know, no one other than a nurse, doctors and a parent at a time. And, um, the goal of that radiation and chemo was to ultimately get to a bone marrow transplant because at this at that point the chances of chemo doing it by itself is pretty low. Right. So you could beat it and then they would expect it would just keep coming. Mm. Um, so they basically got to kill all of it, but kind of you along with the process and then rebuild your immune system based based on the backbone of someone else's. Mm. Um, and um, I've been super blessed that my sister was a 100% match for me, my the my middle sibling. Okay. Um, so she was my bone marrow transplant donor, which started a pretty long stint in the hospital. Uh, I don't know the exact length of time, but it was enough time that I basically had to relearn how to walk from being in a hospital bed. Oh. Uh, when I got out, and at this point, I'm behind in school about two years, um, just from dealing with it, obviously. Right. Um, and I had what they call graft versus host disease, which is a terrible rash on your entire body, um, where your body's trying to reject that transplant, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have a little pigment to my skin from it, still from like scarring. From that graft versus host disease um but um i found golf through that i found god through that yeah um it wasn't one of my other family members thank god for that um so you know in hindsight it helped me become who i am in a lot of ways and it could have been someone else so so yeah that um so the bone marrow transplant 
Yeah. The, the sister donated her, her bone marrow. Mm-hmm. And does she have side effects from that donation? Mm-mm. No. No. Nope. Is there pain or how, like, what is that like for her? I believe, I believe, so yeah, that was actually kind of cool. So I believe they take a piece of her bone marrow. It's an outpatient procedure. So she gets to go home the same day. Oh, wow. Um, and then they give it to me in the form of like a blood transfusion. And what they did, which was really cool, and um, is they actually brought her into my room when I was getting the transplant. So she was in a bed, I was in a bed, and I was getting the transplant, and my I had a parent with me. But that was like a really cool thing. And um, my family is so close. My baby sister cried because she wasn't a match. Wow. Like she was super upset that she couldn't be the one to so do it. So this is interesting. Now – you're talking that you're grateful that this was you. And then your one sister is grateful that she's able to be a donor. And then your other sister is upset that she can be a donor. Yeah. We're <laughs> super tight. That's, um, I mean, that's cool that y'all have that type of relationship. And oh, y'all yeah. are so selfless. Like, that's what I'm seeing through this is selflessness. And that yeah. comes from my mom. A thousand percent. And then transplant happens your body tries to reject it but i'm assuming mm-hmm. that your body eventually yeah. stops fighting itself yeah yeah and then and then what the healing process or, mm-hmm. or what's what's that like for the next you know after the transplant yeah so that graft versus host disease is over a period of time it was a couple months um i think that i think in there somewhere is the longest stay i was ever consecutively in a hospital thus the atrophy um, mostly in like my legs, you know, the normal appendages that get it bad. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of weakness. I actually weighed less when I was basically 14 than I did when I was 12 oh, wow. from, from the muscle atrophy. Yeah. Um, and it's done in all that chemo and stuff for two years, stunned in my growth. So you should have been prime puberty Almost, at this point. Yeah. So they say based on their studies, models, and my family history, I should have been about six foot. Oh, wow. And what, yeah. how tall are you now? Uh, five, six and a half, nice. if you want to count the half. Nice. You lost to get six inches. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh. I mean, not cool, but we're yeah. learning a lot. Yep. Um, so you're stunted. And now, did you really hit a point of puberty? I mean, you kind of missed it, right? Yeah, so I... Or did you hit it again at 15? I think, thank the Lord I got some. Um, and I do have a few side effects that are going to be permanent. Like, I'm not afraid to admit it. I take testosterone and I have thyroid issues, okay. so I take medication for that. Okay. Um, and those will be pretty much my whole life. Um, I have them in the bag beside me. <laughs> um. Other than that, I mean, there's some cool things like my wisdom teeth never grew in. And I was at the dentist a year ago. And they're like, wow, it looks like they never grew past 14. And I'm like, I can tell you why. Because my growth plate's closed at 14. Crazy. Yeah, super funny. Um, I didn't get any cool powers or anything, but yeah. Um Another interesting thing, and that was a big driver to get me where I am today, and this was told to me a little bit later, um, but I guess the doctors had told my parents, basically, because of the radiation, because they only block off 
very few parts of you mm-hmm. um that I was probably going to be mentally disabled mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be able to graduate college and I'd probably live with them the rest of my life wow. um, and obviously spoiler alert that's <laughs> not the case yeah I'm actually a genius no no <laughs> um, yeah no that's it's it's amazing to hear the doubt in the doctor and I think this is a testament to how powerful our God is that we serve. Yeah. The, these doctors who were supposed to be, you know, know-it-all and scientists and all these people involved, they doubted all of this. And I would say, miraculously, God had his hand on you and oh, said, yeah. no, I'm going to show the world what I'm capable of through my son, Abraham, right? That's, I mean, that's yeah. kind of the way that I see it is like we're we're recognizing and I'm sure he revealed himself through you and your whole family of just how amazing this creator that we serve is. I think that's just, it's, it's amazing really. Yeah. And I, I think I'm a stubborn person. So it took a lot for her, him to get to me, but <laughs> once he got me, he got me, you know? You. Um, and he's got me forever. So, right. Um, yeah, I think, I think it is incredible what God can do. Um, and I think, yeah, I think people underestimate it a lot. For sure. Even, I mean, I still do. Well, and I, I've too. been through I, that, I, you know? So, yeah, I'm right here with you. Yeah. He has to smack me pretty regularly. Every single day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you're essentially, you're, do they call it remission or healed or cured? Like, where yeah, are you so at at this point? And at what age mm-hmm. are you, 15? Yeah, at this point, I'm 14, 15-ish. Okay. Um, again, I have a summer birthday, so it's kind of like flip-flops. But um, I was in remission for a, a, while, a long while, even into the end. So at this point... Um, I guess this is important to my overall story. The last, as soon as I got into remission, we moved out of South Carolina. Um, my, there were some issues at that hospital, and I don't even know that I'm allowed to talk about them, but they had to do with some surgeries that didn't go how they were supposed to. Um, so my parents moved me to North Carolina, so this is how I ended up here, okay. or there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went to Duke for my remission treatment. At that time, I started going to middle school in North Carolina, and um, I did that for a long time. But during that time, um, I started being able, by the end of the remission-ish period, I was able to go back to school. And I had done just enough tutoring through um, school in Charleston that I was only back one year of school, even though I missed almost two and a half. years of school so that was a big blessing uh i was still relatively the same age as everybody which is helpful yeah um and i was able to go back to school i wasn't able to do contact sports still i sat out for gym and all of middle school Mm -hmm. um that kind of thing but i was generally in remission and then um after like five years of that you're kind of out of it but i still have to go 
once or twice a year, depending on my levels, and go to a doctor. So I've been doing that since I was basically 15. Okay, so you're North Carolina middle school. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned earlier, we have a couple of mutual friends. Is this the point when you started meeting these guys? Or no. 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 So you still didn't even meet them yet? No. So what are you getting into as brand new to North Carolina middle school? Do you have new hobbies or yeah. late in life? Or like what's going on? Like total new life change. And, Absolutely. And you're cured. Yes. Essentially. Yep. So this is when I started um, getting interest in girls. Yep. Um, like most people, I was into golf still because I could play it when I was sick. I could play it even in middle school with the no contact. And I met a friend um, who played golf, so we would do that. Um, and then I got really into school because I wanted to prove doctors wrong, um, which was a an unhealthy way that um, led to a good result, I guess you could say. But um, so I was very in school. I didn't actually do very well in school. I still kind of struggled through it, but I was determined that I was going to do well. So back to kind of almost what I would call a normal life other than I'm going to a doctor fairly regularly yeah. compared to other people and I don't do gym. Okay. Um, but other than that, I'm fairly normal. Nice. Through middle school and most of high school that's awesome yeah cool. crazy how kids that age including myself i guess like you transition so quick like you meet new friends and you just off that's doing what you're doing again you know so resilient yeah now like i still my tone it's three weeks <laughs> i would say resilience is a good word and i think that there's almost like a that childlike innocence or even like yeah. maybe childlike faith is a word where we, there's some instinct to it yeah and we sure. don't have to overthink it we know that we're put in this place to do this thing that people are all the same we can interact we can say hi and a lot of that's gone away and especially I think, social media has gone away from that you can't just meet people in person anymore and it's kind of sad it's like you wave at somebody and they think you're a creep but I'm getting off topic and I apologize. <laughs> You're not wrong though. <laughs> but, but I can understand why, how you were kind of able to bounce back in that moment. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I had a strong desire to be normal. Right. Like no one wants to be the odd kid. It did, it did score me some cool things in middle school. Like the girls who didn't want to do gym, like, oh, well, we're just going to go sit with Avery or whatever. You know, so it wasn't all bad, you no, know. <laughs> no. And you got cool scars. Yeah, I got a lot of those. That's, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. So where do we go from here? Are we out of middle school now going into high school? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Walk us through a little bit. And, yeah, take us through high school. Let's just see where it goes. Yeah, so in high school, um, I'm really into golf, so I start playing for the golf team. This is where I meet our mutual buddies. Okay. But it's kind of interesting. So were you going to Bun? Yes. Yep, so I went to Bun Middle School. Um, That's where we moved when we came to North Carolina. Then I went to Bun High School after. Freshman year of high school, I tried out for the golf team. 
Um, it was one of the only sports you could try out as a freshman because we didn't have a lot of players. And that's where I met John and Freeman. Um, and they were both playing too? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. They're both way better than me at golf. <laughs> um, to this day, way better than me at golf. Um, but it gave me something to do when I couldn't play contact sport. So I was in. Um, but we didn't actually become really close. Um, freshman year, we bummed me and this other friend of mine bummed rides off of Freeman and John to get to the golf course because it was like 15 minutes from our school. And that was about as close as we got. Like, I would get in the car with them, and we would jam out after school, go to the golf course. Then as soon as me and this other buddy of mine could drive, we were driving ourselves. And we would golf all the time. Um, I'm starting to become a better student at this time. Um, I'm getting better at math, which was actually for an engineer it was one of the things i struggled with kind of funny um and just kind of got better at that um and then about sophomore year i got introduced into some things that weren't so good for health um you know like maybe some drugs and drinking and such but i kind of made it to sophomore year before i got into any of that got kind of into that and golf that was it like I didn't care about anything else. Um, then I met Sarah, um, and I started dating, basically. Okay. Um, ended up being able to graduate. I played golf my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. I quit my senior year because they changed coaches, and you had to be at so many practices a week. And I was trying to have a job so I could pay for gas and stuff like that. So um, I quit the golf team, finished school. I was able to graduate, like, something like top 25, maybe 30 of, like, 200-some kids. So compared to where they thought I would be, like, already a success. Right. Graduated high school. Call them and be like, hey, who's my... My high school diploma, look at that. You see the honors? honors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't. I took AP classes in high school, so I was already taking college classes. Yeah. Um, I never did, partly because, like, I didn't want to give them time of day. And that was, like, it's so funny that that was a motivator for me, and then I didn't do anything. Yeah. It's, like, that's kind of funny. But, um... They don't even know. You know. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, so then... Um, you know, same as everybody else, figuring out what to do next. Um, I decided my, I talked to my parents and I was able to get some help with college if I was to go to community school for a couple of years and then transfer to a four year. Okay. So I went and got my associates, associates in mechanical engineering. Okay. Um, and I was just living at home. So I was still dating the same girl, um, living at home. She went to ECU, which is about an hour away. I would drive out there on weekends and do college things. And then during the week, I was back in Raleigh doing school things. Um, so did that in um, freshman year, sophomore year, same thing. Um, I met who later became my roommate at ECU my second semester at Wake Tech probably one of my best friends now today to date um and he let me stay with him some so i would stay down by the college hang out with them and do school and then still living at home primarily 
Um, graduated with an A average from Wake Tech with my associates in mechanical engineering and transferred to ECU. I was supposed to go to state, but their program with Wake Tech got cut and they weren't going to take a lot of my credit. So I went to ECU. Happy I did. Um, and I used that friendship that I built to move in with uh, Lane and Alan, who is also now one of my good friends um, that I met through that. Um, you know, still dating the same girl this whole time, all of college. Uh, you know, get really into partying my sophomore year. My se- I partied so much that my senior year I decided to move back home, save some money, and I was doing ECU online. Um, and then working about 30 to 35 hours a week doing an internship. Um, so it was engineering based work, um, graduated with magna cum laude. So not quite an A average, but I graduated college. So MUSC, you can suck it. Um, nobody's, nobody's looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I got, um, second, uh, I would say much smaller slap in the face. Um, the place that I'd been internship doing my internship with had been promising me a job as soon as I graduate. The I started with them my sophomore year, and the the year that I graduated, they got sold, mm. and there was not a job for me. And I had all my eggs in that basket, so I am in a mad scramble to figure out where I'm going to work. I find the place I work at now. Um, really great engineering company. It's a smaller family owned. Yeah. Um, it's actually a European company. So my vacation is awesome, which suits my outdoor lifestyle. Right. Um, yeah. So speaking of that, so I guess, so that means you've probably been at this company for what, five years for okay. as of the beginning of this month. And then. So up until that point that you've discussed going through college, we haven't even touched on hunting yet. Oh, man. But yep. I know you as a hunter, and that's how we even started communicating was because yep. you were a hunter. So what point did hunting into your life? Yeah, and I apologize. I kind of missed that. So clearly, I don't know how you missed that. It's like, like the biggest thing in my life, too. It's the biggest thing in your life at this point. So. Yeah. Let's go just touch on how you got yeah. into hunting and then, yeah, how that led through. Yeah. So um, we moved to North Carolina. I still can't do contact sports. Um, so I'm in remission. But I'm like, hey, Dad, there's no snakes and there's no swamp. Yeah. Um, you know, can we start hunting? And he's like, yeah, if we can find a place, we'll start hunting. Okay. Um. I'm still still not in a place where, um, not in a place health wise. So it takes a little while. Right. But once I get to a place health wise, we start going to a church, um, in Bun, and come really close with the church family there, and actually meet a a gentleman, another deacon, who my dad later served as a deacon with. Um, who invited us to hunt his place, actually. So I had a little 25-acre piece of property that me and my dad could hunt. And I said, we got the property. I'm healthy. We're hunting. Yeah. (laughs) So 
uh, at that point, I'm just rifle hunting, you know, nothing fancy, and I'm going as much as I can. Um, this is probably when I'm like 16, or no, I'm sorry, this is about when I'm 15. So I'm just getting able to drive. I'm in high school, so I'm starting to hang out with my friends less, hunting a little bit more, because um, these friends were kind of living a lifestyle that wasn't great with the drugs and alcohol. And I kind of get into this hunting more, and it's all rifle. Um, start traveling in New York to hunt on some property my granddad had gotten um, and kill a really nice buck up there, and I'm just hooked. Um, the next year, so I'm 16, can start driving myself. I think during that hunting season, I hunted every day before and after school yeah. to the point my parents were like, you have to be home at some point to do, mm-hmm. like, school. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can do it at dark. Um <laughs> So I hunted a boatload, um, and I was just like, I love this. I started fishing a little bit, also loved that, um, which I had always done a little fishing, but I, like, got into it, into it. Um, so I, that stayed with me all the way through. Um, matter of fact, I would drive back and forth from ECU just to hunt more. Really? Um, yeah, lots of miles back and forth to ECU to hunt. Um, my girlfriend's at that time had, her family had property. I could hunt, hunted out there, had some good success. And then college is about when I really got into the archery thing. Um, my dad got me a bow for Christmas cause he knew how much I liked hunting. And he's like, Hey, you get a whole extra season. Um, and I was like, I'm in. Yeah. Um, but at that point, you know, not like deep into archery i'm good enough to hit a target at like 20 yards um and then my like see my sophomore year of college i killed my first deer with a bow sitting standing on the ground because i'm petrified of height this is a crazy story and uh, so i get up in this tree stand and it's shaking around on the tree and i'm like no i just can't i am not going to spend eight hours up in this tree so i climb down and i clear the brush from all around this tree I'm like, I'm just going to stand here because I couldn't, from the ground where I was sitting, there was a hump and I just couldn't see anything. So I'm, I'm going to stand here for eight hours. I'm not getting in that tree stand. Yeah. Petrified of heights. And like not 20 minutes later, this little spike, I mean, a small little guy just comes walking down the path. I'm like, no way. <laughs> and his head goes behind a tree. I draw back. He takes two steps and I shoot. He might've been moving still, like not great archery practice. Yeah. I smoked him. I mean, like, smoked him. The arrow might have been, like, doing somersaults on the way there, but I smoked him. And the deer runs away. We go get the deer. And this, this is in New York. We get, like, three hours back to North Carolina, and my dad is just as happy as can be. Right. I have a picture. Of, I tried to recreate the picture of him when he was, like, 16 with his first archery deer. So to him, this is just, like, awesome. I'm like, Dad, I got to tell you something. He's like, what? And I was like, I wasn't in the tree stand when I shot that deer. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I got up there and it was moving around and I just couldn't do it. So I got down. I shot that thing standing on the ground. I lied to you. I'm sorry. He's like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. He said, I don't think I know anybody who shot a deer off the ground with a bull. He said, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah. You know, like I'm thinking he's going to be like, what is wrong with you? And he just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I've never done it again, but it was it was just really funny because I was like so ashamed of it. He just thought it was the coolest thing. 
Yeah, but, yeah so mm-hmm. then I'm hooked on archery, right? Right. Because I got that validation, oh. and I'm like, this is awesome. It's such a rush at oh. hunting from the ground. Dude. I mean, I'm, I have not killed anything from the ground, don't get me wrong, but, like, I could imagine the rush. It, <laughs> oh, that I, I'm, like, excited right now thinking about it. Okay. Like, I kid you not. Yeah. That is an A-plus memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're hooked on hunting and basically doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's see, where are we at now? Like sophomore, senior year. I just graduated. Job fell through because of um, they got sold. I start with my new company who has huge vacation time. And I'm like, this is awesome. I can hunt all the time. Around this time, I took my first trip to Colorado to elk hunt. That was a total failure. We saw like two elk the whole time. One was a cow that my dad should have shot. If he's listening to this, he should have shot it. Had a great chance and he was waiting for a bull. We never saw another elk after that for like six days of hunting. Wow. Absolutely brutal, but I was like, I think I love this. Like, it wasn't the success for me. It was the adventure Colorado, like the backpacking, the spike outs. It was kind of a bougie camp, but like it was awesome. Um, and I'm like, I think I want to do this like every like I want to do this all the time. Right. So, um, that was an archery hunt. So now I'm getting into like, how can I be better with a bow? I'm practicing out to like 60, 70 yards now, like trying to find ways to be more accurate. Um, but I'm kind of in college or I'm just out of college. Mm-hmm. I have some student debt and, um, I'm trying to figure out how to marry the girl that I've been dating. And I'm think I, I just can't afford to spend all my time and money on archery, right. but I'm, it's, it's a big part of my life now. Um, golf has kind of gone away because of the senior year thing. So it's archery and hunting. Um, and then, so then. Um, my girlfriend at the time had one more sem- half a semester of school left. I let her finish that, and then I proposed. Um, so we, pro- I, when I proposed, we were gifted some property to build a house on, and I went right to building a house, like physically. Me and my dad, other than pouring concrete, like other than the um, electrical plumbing. In concrete, we did everything out ourselves. That's awesome. Um, my uncle came down from New York. My granddad came down from New York, and they helped all along the way. So I can't, you know, me, my dad, and two other guys did yeah. a ton of work. I actually designed it. Um, it was a single story, and it didn't have any load-bearing walls other than the exterior. So I was able to do the design and get it approved. Wow. Like, I did the drawings for my house, which is pretty cool. Um, built that. We got married. I didn't hunt a ton just because that was so time consuming. Right. And now I'm like, okay, you know, I've got the job. I've got a wife. I've got a house. You know, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And I'm back into hunting. Back into archery. Now I have a little bit of money because I have two incomes. My income's not terrible. Hers not terrible. We're both still starting out, but we're doing okay. Yeah. And I'm like all into the archery. I'm building an uh, archery shop in my house. And I'm 
still only hunting that one little piece of private land. And um, my wife comes home and she says, "Hey, did you know John Jones, who you went to, we went to high school with? Did you know that he hunts and fishes?" And I was like, "No, I thought he just played golf. Like we didn't keep up after high school at all." At, um, and they graduated before me anyway because I was behind. Uh-huh. And I was like, "No, that's really cool." He's like, yeah, he's got a boat too. Huh. And I was like, you know, super funny. I kind of reached out to him on Instagram and I was like, hey man, do you live around, you know, home, home still, like Bun still? He's like, oh yeah, man, I live down the road. How you, you know, the whole, how you doing? And I was like, that's freaking awesome. I didn't know you were into the outdoor, like in, apparently he'd been doing it his whole life, but I didn't know it from high school because right. we weren't close. Right. And, um, it wasn't until after college that we started like hanging out okay. again. And that's where I kind of got back to know Freeman and I'm pretty much met Timmy and Nate okay. from that. I knew Nate from, I knew all of them from high school, but I didn't know you. them. Okay. So that makes more sense in my mind too. Yeah. And then I really came in even a couple years after that. Okay. And then, so 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. I got out of the Marine Corps in 2020 and started hunting mm-hmm. with these guys. And that's when I first met you, Avery. Mm-hmm. was kind of through these guys doing deer camp. But there was still a little bit of distance. Yeah, because, definitely. Um, it was just like we would do some weekend hunts and then go our separate ways. Yep. And it really wasn't anything too crazy. We didn't, like, become best friends or anything. Yeah. Um. But I met you sometime around 2020. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. So you, at this point, you get up with John and do you start hunting with him? Yeah. So we just started fishing together first because um, he had a boat. Um, then he's like, hey, man, um, me and some of the guys are going to go do some hunting. Here's the deal. Um, so I kind of like started hunting with them. I killed my first public land deer ever with them. Yeah. Um, I ended up buying a boat because I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this forever. And uh, a lot of public land in North Carolina is around lakes. So there's a benefit with a boat. Um, I'm like kind of become a part of that group. And that's kind of my friends outside of work now. Um, Yeah, so so we get really into all that. Um, And I'm hunting a boatload. So... um, in 2019, I have a season where I kill a deer with a bow, rifle, muzzleloader, pistol, shotgun, mm-hmm. all in one season. And that was the year I decided from now on I want to do archery only. And speaking only for myself, the only one that felt hard at that point in my hunting career was the bow. The pistol was like a total fluke, and I'm still could happen, but it was like a fluke. Right. Um, and I didn't, that doesn't seem repeatable enough, even though it's definitely harder, I would say. It didn't seem repeatable enough to actually, like, fill the freezer. So, got super decided I'm only going to hunt with a bow at that point. Okay. Um, and then, um, yeah. So, that brings us basically to 2020. Yeah. And then... So you're hunting hard archery mm-hmm. and still 
I get. Yeah, I mean, you still have a lot of improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing stuff at this point. Are you kind of working with other people to help, um, like tune bows and stuff? I know maybe we'll get to it, but I know that you have helped a lot of people tune their bows. Yeah. Like you said, you had a little shop set up in your house. Mm-hmm. So were you already doing this, helping people at this point? At this point, I'm kind of figuring me out. Like okay. I'm, I'm definitely not at a point to help anyone else. Cause I can barely, barely get it going myself, but I'm way more invested. I'm like, you. not just getting it to shoot right. Cause before then I'd get a shop to shoot it right. And then I would just shoot it. Now I'm like, how do I get it to shoot right? And how can I improve it? Okay. So I'm starting to learn the tuning. Like then I guess this is where I learned how what I try to help other people with now, um, in this kind of time period. So let's say from 2020 till me and you really started like interacting mm-hmm. more in 2022. Anything significant? Any significant hunts during that period of time that happened that of are, are of note or? Should we kind of jump to this year and since I've known you? Yeah, so I got, I actually, it was super bland. I was just living, you know, a very normal life. I hunted whitetails in Bond. Okay. And um, I missed elk hunting for two years due to work commitment. COVID, obviously. COVID was the. Destroyed our lives. Destroyed everything. Um, and I'm building a second house uh, for me and my wife. It's an expansion on the first one. Uh, it's a little less hands-on, but it's still very time-consuming um, at this time. So, and then, yeah, that so nothing really eventful happens there. Um, and then, I guess about about a, a little over a year before me and you like really started becoming friends, um, I found out my wife was having an affair um and i didn't take it very well emotionally um there was a lot that happened there there was some time of um me deciding what does a christian marriage look like to me and me deciding i gotta fight for this and i gotta make it work um so i started going i a very long story but i let myself be convinced that i needed to change so i started going to therapy um did that for three or four months she started going to therapy but now we're doing separate therapy um convinced her after a few more months of that and all this while we're still living together we're kind of off and on getting along um, we start doing couples therapy together, and this is leading into the summer of, I guess, the summer that we before we met, I met you, mm-hmm. and um, kind of start seeing someone else again, um, but we're still married, still living together at this time. I completely nosedive, like badly and kind of decide she decided then she was like i'm absolutely leaving you um and it wasn't you know there was conversation and such but um she decided it was best for her for the marriage and um 
I kind of moved in with Freeman at that point, but I hadn't really told my family. Um, I'm still kind of, this whole time, I'm kind of just dealing with it myself or trying to, not successfully. Um, And then um, you had the absolute, so moving with Freeman and he's like, hey man, we're going to Missouri. You know, you need to come. I'm like, okay, screw it. You know, why not? Right. Um, and you had the absolute pleasure of meeting me and probably the, it might be tied for first worst part of my emotional and mental health ever. So, so, um, my perspective, not, not even perspective, but yeah, I guess from my perspective, um, so I was, let's see, this is, yeah. So I was coming off of kind of my own healing experience. I spent some time in Arizona off the grid as much as possible because of some stuff that I need to get to later, I guess, my own story. Um, I needed my own, I needed to heal myself and I need to get back and, and rekindle my relationship with God. And so all that took place. And then I got to a point where I was focusing on my health and um, my spiritual well-being mm-hmm. and everything like that. And then hunting a little bit, too. So, like Avery mentions, we have this opportunity to go to Missouri to hunt, and it's four of us. And we're hanging out. We kind of split uh, split up different mm-hmm. days to hunt with different people or hunt solo or, you know, like there's a lot of land to be had in Missouri. Yep. So, you know, we split up on different occasions. And I would say, if you're recalling what I'm recalling, there was one day in particular where me and you um, had to drive to a new mm-hmm. spot to hunt. And we had not had a personal conversation up to this point really yeah it had always been in passing or like yep. friendly but not personal mm-hmm. and i kind of um i guess maybe i shared a bit of my testimony or i laid out kind of where i was in my life and how i um i had been sober for a period of time yep. which i'm now like over 13 months sober and clean from everything um and i was working on my nutritional health i was running at this point i started running Mm -hmm. and eventually ran the marathon and so all of my my life had kind of shifted from where i saw avery you know at least with him trying to use substances and kind of get through these things on his own i had already been there not with relationship but with other things so i kind of spoke to him about how I had rebuilt my relationship with God. And then through that process, you know, got sober and started getting healthy again. And I didn't know at the time how impactful that would be to you. So quickly explain, not quickly, but explain how you want, how impactful was that simple conversation in the truck? Yeah. I mean, it was a, so you're doing yourself a discredit in my opinion. It was a simple conversation, but it was the right conversation at the right time. Mm -hmm. Like I was 
as low as I've been. Like, at that point, I had given up, I guess. So, like, I mentioned the first time I was sick, I was like, cool. You know, not cool, but whatever happens is awesome. Second time, I didn't even want to do it, but I kind of came around. Mm-hmm. This time, I'm like, dude, you just not care. Like, like I, I had given up completely. And, again, doing yourself a discredit, I kind of had a breakdown in your truck because I was trying to hold it together that whole week. And it was early, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not a morning person. And I, like, dropped a bomb on you. And we're going to a new spot in the pitch dark, like, in the truck. So I guess there's headlights, but, like, yeah. And you handled it very well, and you had, like, the right things to say. So I do want to give you a little bit more credit in that because you kind of glossed over it. But, like, the your demeanor was perfect. It was very calm. It was like, dude, I get it. You know, I'm so sorry. I get it. And then just the you relaying your story to me so openly and honestly to some dude you kind of don't know, you know, and I'm having a breakdown. So like, I'm not thinking straight and you just like, you're like, dude, I get it. And you can get through it. And, um, I know you can get through it because I've been through it. Something, something in me, the same thing, maybe that like helped me in college or not in college. Sorry. That helped me get through school we're like, I can do this, you know, forget the world or whatever. It kind of like lit that same fire in me again. Like Caleb can do it. Like I can do it. Like I can do this. Right. And it was a simple conversation about faith, what it means to you, how it helped you. And then the physical things you're doing, that's kind of the basis of what I do now in a 15 minute car ride there and back. So absolutely huge. And I remember specifically, like, so I didn't kill anything. Avery was the only one that killed anything during that, like, 10 days of hunting. We have four people. That was brutal. Four people, <laughs> 10 days, tons of deer, mine, tons of deer. But Avery's yeah. the only one they could pull the trigger. Like, the night before we left, right? It was indeed. The night before we left, and which was a pain. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah, it was a disaster. And a little piece of me was like, we drove all this way, and it it almost, almost felt like a waste in the hunting sense. Yeah. Except that, to this day, that was the my favorite hunt I've ever been a part of. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, just the the atmosphere, the environment, like where we were, the Missouri was freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, I saw more deer than I've ever seen, whether I pulled the trigger or not. <laughs> well, I was archery hunting, yeah, which is so difficult. Yeah. But I also got home or on the car ride was thinking how, where am I going with this? I, I think I, I think I was praying that it would be impactful at least our conversation would be impactful, but I didn't know how it would be impactful. I really like, I knew God was speaking through me at some point and, and also just in my action. Cause like, mm. it's really easy to sit around a campfire and drink a beer. But for me yeah. to stand there in this environment and say, sorry, I'm not going to have a beer tonight or at all. Like I'm sober. That sends a, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That makes a statement. No doubt. And um, so then I got home and I was just thinking, like, I hope I was impactful, but it really doesn't matter. It's up to God now. Mm-hmm. And then you texted me at some point and said, hey, look, I'm two weeks sober or whatever yep. the time frame was. And I was like, that's absolutely amazing. Like, I can't believe that that's where we've come is that now you've decided um, that or, or yeah, I, I don't know if it's a decision, but like you didn't need that. Yeah. Yeah. You I, needed, you needed your relationship with God and you needed help really. Yeah. And I, to, kind of to your point, I was taking sleep medicine to sleep. I would take caffeine to wake up the next day and I would start drinking as soon as I was done with work pretty much every day. Right. Um, you know, terrible coping. Um, and you know, you're, you not only told us you were sober, but then you did it for that entire hunt. Like despite everyone else, not, you know? So that was like, I guess that even amplified our conversation again, right? Because it's like, okay, he's actually doing it. Like, he's not just saying, oh, yeah, you can get through it, you know, whatever. You're you're showing me that you can get through it. Um, and, yeah, that, that makes – I think that even makes a bigger difference when you are showing the difference that you claim can be made. I agree, and that's the people I look up to and, you know, and – I think it's extremely important Mm -hmm. and there's not enough of those role models or at least they're not out there. It's it's harder to find them. No doubt. Um, All right. So I know we've been going for a while, Yeah. but we have to talk about these last 10 or 11 months. Yeah. And what are you doing? What have you been doing to really, I would almost say completely mindset shift. Yep. Physical shift. Yep. What's going on in your life now? Because I think it's been it's been awesome. I'm not gonna lie. It's yeah. been really cool to watch. Yeah, so you and then um through you, kinda Nate as well, another one of our good friends who's an absolute beast, uh, like yourself. I got I started getting help in addition to kind of sobering up. I started going back to therapy for myself. Um and I kind of made the decision that I'm going to really focus on improving myself as a person um, for a lot of reasons, but um, to kind of give myself a self-worth again, yeah. um, like to myself. Um, and the way that I approached that was during... You may need to hold on for a second. There's a, there's a train rolling through. <laughs> So we may have to pause. I'll edit this out. And it's going to be loud. <laughs> wild how slow it seems. But like when it's going by, you realize it's going fast. It just seems so you slow. You hear it from a mile away. Yeah, literally. Thank you. 
How much you want to bet when I get in there that the pad is completely flat? It won't be completely flat. You're not laying. Mm-hmm. But it'll be about <laughs> be laying on the ground. Oh well. If I can't do that for one night, I'm too soft. And the ground is literally soft, so like, shouldn't be too bad. Long train. Well, definitely not remote. <laughs> yeah, I was actually watching this video pop where this guy was trying to find a place without any ambient or outside noise. Oh, wow. Could not find it. No matter where he went, there was either train, traffic, oh, yeah. or, or an airplane. Like, yep. airports were close by. Like, you get as remote as you want, and you're not remote. And, like, Except for maybe Alaska and Canada. Yeah. Maybe the only place That's the point. Yeah. Or, like, the Arctic or something. But, like, not why you wouldn't be there. Yeah. The, um... Colorado's that way. Like, you're out there and you'll still see planes and whatever. You're like, it's wild. Yeah, you think you're far out. Yeah, no. You know, you hear other cars because you can still get around in cars out there. Yeah, ATVs and crowds. Exactly, ATVs. Because everything is service serviceable, really. Yeah. Because of the fires and stuff. Yep. Like, there's nothing remote. It's all serviceable. It is. It's wild. Kind of sucks. And we're back. You gotta hit it. You gotta hit the line, though. And we're, and we're back. You don't have to. I just, we're back. <laughs> I'm just picking on um, Alright. So I don't even quite remember where we were going. We, so uh, where what are we doing today? Oh, yeah, what are we what are we doing today? What's going on? Yeah. Oh, and you said you were kind of back in therapy. Yep, back in therapy, getting help mentally. Um I decided to hit the gym. And um it's not an original idea, but I heard it somewhere, and it was like, these are my pillars of being a better human. Uh-huh. And I was like, I really like that. Uh, kind of ties back to what you're saying, but it was like uh, fitness, faith, and then like emotional health. Okay. So therapy kind of covered the emotional health because I was going like as much as once a week right. um, for a long time. Um, and then fitness has been a journey. I started off kind of not knowing what to do, hurt myself, trying to lift big and then kind of got through healing that and then got on an actual program for, for growing naturally. To clarify here for a second, um, other than your brief sports history back when you were 10 or 11 years old, Mm -hmm. since cancer until now. Or until you were 26 years old, you did not work out. Right? No, no. I mean, you played golf and yeah. you hunted a little. Yeah, I would do like the tradition, the standard like New Year's resolution working okay. out, and that you know how that goes. It lasted a couple weeks, and I'd be like, ah. <laughs> so you're, I, I have a good metabolism. Pretty, pretty ignorant to oh yeah different types of 
fitness and working out lifting weights yeah i would say i still am in a lot of ways for sure you've come a long way oh yeah from what i've seen it's been awesome yep um so you're focusing on those those pillars Mm -hmm. um fitness faith and emotional or mind body spirit mind body different different ways of saying the same Mm -hmm. thing um which is huge and it's important i think that like you you can't just grow in one aspect you have to be i mean we are multiple components and we have to strengthen each one of those so and that's the way the reason i like the pillar analogy because you're only going to be as strong as your weakest pillar so you have to grow them together you can't just be you know all body and spirit have no mind you know or vice you know any any combination thereof you really have to focus on all three and i think it just makes you the best human you can be i like that yeah failed failed in a lot of ways and recently that's actually kind of convicted me <laughs> I'm like yeah. i got some work to do yeah oh like, we're, yeah we're gonna get home and work on this <laughs> um, that's cool okay yeah so i kind of want to touch on okay well do you have anywhere you want to go with this real quick no um i have a feeling i know where we're going is it kind of about the business so I kind of want to touch on it. But we don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have to. Whatever absolutely. To. Yeah. Um, so I would say at least six months, right? Mm-hmm. You've been kind of developing this business concept. Yep. And so we've talked about hunting, physical fitness, mm-hmm. and he's been all about developing kind of a outdoor adventure. I, I even want to include like training and development in there, mm-hmm. right? And you're not launching yet, correct? Nope. Um, you know, I've got to finalize a divorce. Um, it's kind of in the making. It's coming. It's going to happen. Right. Um, but this is where your mindset, your thought process is. Yes. Is you're you're focusing on yourself. Yes. And then you're also wanting to bring that to the world, and you want to help people. Um, through connecting and hunting, being outdoors, not just hunting, but being outdoors, archery, all of this stuff, you want to help them um, kind of experience what you experience. Absolutely. So kind of got, you know, for the second time in my life, I have a fresh start in a way. Yeah. And I'd really like to spend it focused on me the things I'm really, really passionate about, which is the outdoors. Um, so, and I want to document it for me, for my family. Um, I have a goal that's something that I think is um, very unachievable for most. And I want to show that somebody who is very unmiraculous can do this, which means that anybody can do this. So I have a goal of completing the um, North American Super 10 Slam, which is 10 species across North America. And I plan to document it as I achieve that. Um, and it's very, you know, some of them are very strenuous hunts. I'm not a big dude, as you know, um, because you're sitting right here. But I want to I wanna show everyone that, like, if you put the effort, you can do it. Like, I am proof that you can do it. Um through those pillars yeah. and 
the big one, the big one, the big one is spirit. Yeah. You know, I, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Right. And I can do nothing less right. um, without him. So um, that's my goal. And I want to bring people along for that journey. Also, because I work a nine to five. So I think I have a unique perspective um, where I can help people with like, how do you plan financially for being able to do this kind of adventure? Because, you know, it is expensive, especially if you want to include any like guided hunts or anything like that. Uh, I'm trying to mix in a combination of both so I can really experience everything. Um, how do you build it into your work life? You know, there's a relationship that you got to manage there if you have a full-time job, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so um, probably in January, I'll be launching Avery's Outdoor Adventures, which will be mostly a learning platform is the goal. I'm stoked to see it develop. I got sneak peek the shirt and supposed to be a sneak peek at the new website. Yep. Um, and I was going to say something. I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, so you mentioned something about if I can do it, anybody can do it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't word for word, mm-hmm. but that just reminded me that a lot of your story, a lot of your adversities, I didn't know. Like I knew the basics of you had cancer, mm-hmm. but there was so much to that that I didn't realize. And I don't see it. Like you don't, you don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder. You don't say like, oh, I have an excuse for this. You do it. You just do it. And it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to see. Like, it's just really cool. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast. Like, I really want people to listen to your story and gain encouragement and hope and um and maybe even reach out and communicate with us. Like we're Absolutely. both we're both willing to talk to people and hear feedback, listen to your stories, anybody out there. Yeah. Um so it's been awesome. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily cutting it off, but do you have anything else you want to add to this? No, just kinda of what you said if um you want to reach out to me or have questions about my story or what I'm doing. I have all at you know, depending on when this comes out, in January I'll have the socials, the website, through the website, you'll have, there's a contact me page. You'll send uh, questions to my email. So like definitely feel free to reach out and ask questions. I mean, I try to be super transparent about my history because it is flawed and I'm flawed, but we're tracking towards growth. So yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's awesome. I'm so stoked. I'm glad you could come out here and, camp with us and hang out catch a couple fish yeah man Um, we did well no i'm not gonna say we failed yet but you gotta hold us accountable we were supposed to run today we're gonna run we're gonna run tomorrow i gotta learn you're gonna teach me (laughs) i will say we're supposed to run we have to we have to we have to run tomorrow yes anyway um that's awesome so, Can I say just one more thing? Yeah, whatever you want to say. I do. I am like so so grateful for our trip to Missouri and for like your friendship because like you are 
you and Nate are probably the people I talk to the most and like super encouraging the whole way, very willing to teach too, which like I sincerely appreciate your friendship in like this, like this is, this to me is the perfect weekend. So I just want to say like, I'm really excited for what your platform has to bring too. Likewise. I hope we can bring something meaningful. Oh yeah. We got it. Awesome, man. All right. With that said, Thank you again, Avery. Empirical preparedness out.